Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. are listening to Let's Go Blues Radio, Behind Enemy Lines, the summer of 2019, where I speak with uh, people around the league about the Blues and matchups with said team. And if you are just now tuning into this series, <laughs> where have you been? We've uh, gotten underway already with a bunch of the LA Kings, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Montreal Canadiens, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, it's been a it's been a good ride so far. So uh, today we continue that with the Edmonton Oilers. But before we get into that, I want to thank the opening artists that uh, you're hearing in the open every week, uh, the Wild and Free and their song Fire. So make sure you uh, check out the Wild and Free. They are local musicians. They have an album coming out this summer. So uh, something you definitely want to check out if you're into uh, their style of music. Very good stuff. Check them out on YouTube. I enjoy uh, pretty much everything they put out. I also want to thank PA Guy Tom, Tom Calhoun, for uh, recording our open there. You can find him at paguytom.com, and he is available for hire. So uh, the Blues PA announcer. Um, you want him at your event. You want him uh, maybe doing your book if you have a book on tape. He's the guy. So check that out, paguytom.com. Also, check out the letsgoblues.com shop and consider buying a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. We're not making millions here, folks. Please subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at letsgobluesradio.com. Of course, if you're... And on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. That's how people find us. If you don't like the show, then just just don't rate us. How's that? Just just let's go with that. We're going to start our next segment, something that I think a lot of people have enjoyed and we've been getting a lot of good feedback on. We're going to keep the party going. Uh, before we uh, get into the email I'm about to read, I do want to thank Jeremy Boyer, uh, the blues organist, for uh, the use of his song, well, the use of Gloria, which is him playing it on the organ at uh, Enterprise Center. So big thanks to Jeremy. Uh, you can check out his YouTube page. He's got uh, some pretty cool stuff up of uh, him playing the organ. And, of course, that's probably the best one because Gloria is just now this anthem for St. Louis that will never die. Our email this week comes from Matt in Ontario, and the title for his email was Canadian and Blue. I was born in Montreal in the summer of 1977. My family moved to Kitchener, go Rangers, Ontario in the summer of 82. 
My parents were Habs fans when I was growing up, and we used to watch the Canadians on Hockey Night in Canada. I loved watching hockey, but there was no team I could really get behind. I'm from Montreal, but I left there at an early age and it wasn't my home anymore. Kitchener is an hour outside of Toronto, but I felt no allegiance to the Leafs. It wasn't until the 1989-90 Blues season when I saw Brett Hall's career start heating up uh, that I found something I could really get behind. My friends had their favorites, Iserman, Gretzky, Lemieux. Dropping Hall's name gave me an identity as that Blues kid. Hall was my guy. I had my old CCM Blues jersey I'd wear to school, my Brett Hall posters on the wall, the Top Gun Brett Hall video that I wore out in the VCR, which I memorized word for word. And it was with that video where I noticed the KMOX 1120 on the boards. So one winter night, I noticed in the Toronto Sun Sports section the Blues were playing. I gave it a shot, set the dial to 1120 AM on my stereo, and it worked. It was noisy and crackly and at times indecipherable, but it worked nonetheless. It became a ritual to listen to blues games whenever I could. I continued being a blues fan my whole life, and now at the tender age of 41, I can finally say we won the cup. Something that evaded me through high school, through multiple jobs and relationships, through the last 30 years of my life, but the wait was worth it. When we won the West and beat the Sharks, I had a tear in my eye. When we lost Game 6, I went to work with a lump in my stomach, wondering if we'd make it back here again. But when the final seconds were ticking down in Game 7, and I was standing in my living room crying like a baby, with the biggest shit-eating grin on my face, the 30 years of disappointment faded away in an instant. It was all worth it. Sorry for rambling. So much more I wanted to say. Take care. Matt from Ontario. Uh, Matt, I love the KMOX story. That's awesome. Uh, I know uh, we've... Cardinals Nation has grown so much, um, and I think a lot of it was because so many people uh, tuned in to Cardinals broadcasts throughout the Midwest and throughout the country and apparently even into Canada because um, KMOX is uh, one of the strongest signals uh, for AM radio. So very cool to hear that has also uh, gone on to the Blues. Uh, real quick story, I know I've shared this on the show before, but uh, one of my favorite stories was uh, there was a gentleman, and I want to say it was Omaha, Nebraska, who worked with my dad. And, uh, you know, this was before NHL TV. This was before Center Ice, all that stuff. Um, so, you know, the only way to catch games was if you can tune in on KMOX or, you know, obviously watch any nat- national broadcast that uh, the, the Blues were a part in, which, you know, were, were limited at the time. This was probably early 90s. And uh, my dad said this guy uh, was a blues fan. He became a blues fan uh, just by listening to KMOX. And he said that apparently over the winter it was tougher to get the KMOX signal uh, than it was over the summer for Cardinals games. So uh, where he was at, he said there was one spot in his driveway where he would basically get in his car at night and then he would back up, go forward, back up, go forward, until he found that one sweet spot to where the game came in perfect. And then he would sit in his car all night and listen to the game. So, very cool. Um, just a, a, your story reminded me of that. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 always fun to, to find out how people became fans. And, um, you know, Brett Hall, obviously, was a big part in getting a lot of people to be Blues fans and for this city to become a hockey city, which it was. It became a sports city. 
the minute Brett Hall came on the scene, because, yeah, Cardinals have always been number one, but Blues have always been there, too. Uh, and a lot of that credit goes to Mr. Brett Hall. Well, our guest this week, uh, somebody you've heard on the show before. We've had him on once or twice in the past. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk to, really knows the game inside and out, and uh, just a, a real passionate hockey guy, Michael A. Bear from Oilers Live. And that's uh, you can find his show at Oilers.Live. Uh, Michael and I talk a lot about the Blues and Oilers history, mostly players, but uh, we go back and forth a lot. This was a fun one. Um, I'll admit, going into this, I thought... These two teams have never met in the playoffs. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of memorable games. How is this going to go? Michael made it very interesting. This was recorded on April 11th in the midst of the first round against the Winnipeg Jets. So keep that in mind as you listen. Here's my conversation with Michael LeBaire from Oilers Live. Today we are talking Edmonton Oilers and St. Louis Blues. And uh, this is uh, one that, that the research was fun because it wasn't easy. You would think that two Western Conference teams, uh, that there would be a little bit more ease with it, but there was not. So I'm uh, going to run over some numbers here pretty quick, and I'll introduce my guest who will be talking to me about the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the St. Louis all-time record is uh, 130, in 137 games played. They have uh, 68 wins, 50 losses. 11 ties and eight overtime losses. Their first meeting was on October 30th, 1979. And that was a two, one win uh, in St. Louis. Curtis Joseph, a key member here that we'll, we'll probably talk about here in a little bit. Uh, his first NHL start and appearance was against the Edmonton Oilers on January 2nd, 1990. He had uh, six goals against on 24 shots, not his best showing, uh, Blues lost that one six to four. And again, we will be talking about Curtis Joseph a little bit later. But now I want to get to our guest, somebody who's been on Let's Go Blues Radio before. Uh, he is a a two time person on the show, two time guest. So uh, you are an elite company, sir. This is <laughs> this is Michael A. Bear of Oilers Live. Michael, thank you for joining the show. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Uh, wow, that's uh, that's a pretty good stat. Two, <laughs> two times. Yeah. Is that two wins or what's the record on that? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you one right win. We'll, <laughs> one on one. <laughs> yeah, the, well, the second win we don't we don't know yet. We'll 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 see what people say. But <laughs> I'd right. say you knocked it out of the park that first time. Awesome. Well, good. <laughs> good. Those are some uh, great stats you uh, you dug up there. Repeat uh, for me the overall. Uh, record and Overall i assume record. that's the blues record versus this is the, the blues record 68 yeah. 50 11 and 8 wow so yeah. i that surprises me as you as you went to that right away i i'll be fair i expected it to be the other way yeah uh, do you know what the percentages say kind of pre 20 years ago or or how much no uh, idea yeah <laughs> i i mean that that's probably a lot to ask that's the kind of <laughs> That's the kind of information I expect when I get on the air. <laughs> yeah, right. You're just coming on and demanding, oh, I, I got right. two wins, and <laughs> I need to know what the record is every year. Come on, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, I would be curious. I mean, as you know, much has been made, uh, and Oilers fans, we've got very little to hold on to anymore. Um, but um, 
you know, of course the glory years, I would, I would love to know what that record would have been throughout then. And and then of course the last um, 13, 14 years, I was probably pretty lopsided uh, blues, blues wise versus Edmonton. I know this is going to be a shock to my listeners, but um, I record the intro separate from uh, interviewing the guest. So maybe what I'll do is I will include that information in the intro. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Tune All right. in to find out, Michael. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to get to know right now, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to. Wow, suckered into listening to myself. Or... <laughs> you must listen to yourself. We're going to have a great conversation. You're going to want to hear it all over again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I've been, uh, and I'll say, Jeff, before we get started, because you, you put together a great agenda for the show. Um, this is, uh, you know, the two organizations have a, actually a, quite a wonderful history uh, together. And... Um, you know, I, I, I haven't done another show like this, um, but I'd be surprised if there's many uh, organizations that have the type of history that the Blues and the Oilers have. Maybe the Rangers and the Oilers uh, have a similar history, I guess, but um, it's very similar between the Blues and the Oilers. And, and uh, you know, when you threw over the agenda, you know, I had to double take and triple take a couple of times. There are guys that I didn't even realize played for the Blues uh, that had played for the Oilers and, and then thinking, oh, yeah, that's right. We got him from the Blues and now he's um, he's playing for the Oilers. And of course, your favorite player uh, <laughs> is much, yeah. much maligned Oiler fan <laughs> for Oilers <laughs> fans. Uh, I, he was the topic of conversation quite recently um, at a charity tournament that I was playing on. So well, there you uh, go. Which most of which I can't speak about on air. So, <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's for the after hours. Let's go blues. Radio. That's right. That's right. That, that's the exclusive podcast for the, only prescribers. That's the exclusive. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, looking at uh, the history of these teams, uh, you know, obviously. You know, the the one that that I've I had the L.A. Kings, uh, Eddie Garcia on already, and. You know, the first player you got to talk about is Wayne Gretzky. Same thing Mm -hmm. here. We're going to be talking Gretzky. But, yeah, I mean, I remember when I had you on before, we ran down some of the goalies that have played for both organizations. And, you know, obviously, Fjord Joseph. But, I mean, you got, you know, uh, Fred Brathwaite, Dwayne Rollison, even Anders Nielsen, if you want to throw him in there. (laughs) Uh, I thought we were done at Brathwaite. I thought that was the key. (laughs) Uh, There's been a couple Nielsen too. Wow. Yep. No, it's, uh, it's surprising. And then, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I bet Glenn Anderson was a name you probably didn't realize played for the blues. Uh, you know, I did know that actually. And, um, I had the chance to play against him this year in a charity tournament. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was still, very does cool. He still got it. Uh, he certainly got better hockey sense than everybody out there. His speed, uh, not quite there. Sorry, Glenn. Um, but, uh, no, he was a lot of fun uh, to play against, and he's um, a hell of a guy, so I'll give him a shout-out for that for sure. Uh, what was interesting was I saw him prior to the tournament, and I told him about the podcast, and I told him, um, you know, who I was. And, and so when we got on the ice, he skates over to me at the center line and starts chatting with me. And uh, it took me a moment to breathe it all in and think like, 
Glenn Anderson stopped me. Yeah. <laughs> to talk, stopped to talk to me. And he wants to talk hockey. He wants to talk about the Oilers. Um, so anyway, that's probably as close as I get to uh, NHL career right there. Yeah, <laughs> right. That. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that, that gets you a page on elite prospects, right? <laughs> that's absolutely. I think I might be. <laughs> I wouldn't make uh, Craig Button's top fifty list because I'm because I'm an <laughs> Oilers guy, but uh, but I um, certainly who knows who knows maybe top thousand. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe yeah that, that that might be seen a little much there. Yeah, Michael. <laughs> you know this um and and uh, I'm not sure where you want to take this, and I'm sorry if I'm taking it over a little bit, but when I look at this list of names, this is like an all star team. Right. Yep. Like you could field one hell of a, a hockey team. Um, you know, how how do you want to go? Uh, I, I'll let you you take it from here. But how do you want to go through this alumni list of Oilers? And, and no, Oilers? I mean, honestly, we uh, what I've done before with with guests and, and what I'm going to do, I imagine, through the entire summer is uh, it's a very open discussion. So wherever whatever points we want to hit whatever we feel like is worth talking about that's what we're going to do and i've uh, i've talked to some people off air that i've said hey i'm i'm you know bringing on the guy that i've had for the oilers what should we talk about i'm going to make sure to hit those points because that's what people want to hear about so a uh, couple important trades you mentioned one with my favorite player that's one that will definitely be discussed here <laughs> but as i said uh you know going into it looking at this list of names First one that obviously pops out is the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not exactly sure how old you are. I'd say you look like you're about 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Times two and add one. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you get a chance to see him play in an Oilers jersey? Uh, not only got to see him play, but back in those days, um, the uh, players were much more you know, out in the wild, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, he was, uh, no different than, um, you know, running into, oh, geez, I, I forget. I'm, I'm talking to somebody from St. Louis, but we have this football league here called the CFL Canadian football league. And, right. um, and those guys, you know, are mini celebrities, let's call them. Um, they, you know, they get paid to professionally play and people will actually go and watch them. Uh, and seeing them is kind of cool, you know. If you're if you're a CFL fan, that they weren't much above that back in the day, you know. Like that's hard. Uh, to, that's hard to believe, honestly. It is hard to believe, but it was, um, you know, I when I growing up, and uh, and you know, we talked a little bit. As as your listeners will know, this is pre-recorded, so that the playoffs aren't over yet. Um, but I hope uh, for you and and St. Louis Blues fans. Uh, that you have a chance to experience a, a cup. Um, but I can tell you, you know, being around in the glory years when the Oilers were winning cups and uh, Gretzky and Glenn Anderson, you know, a couple names that, uh, and Grant Fear, guys that, of course, were around then that that played for, played for the Oilers and, and the Blues. Um, you know, we saw the cup. I would be at the horse track with my dad. And the cup would be leaning against the the club seat window, right? Um, you know, this was this was all the time, right? It was just a it was just a regular thing to you know the guys back in those days they they stick around town during the summers. Uh, they were a pretty tight knit group, right? It wasn't um, you know I 
you know, I live in an NHL city now, uh, and, um, you know, it's a rarity that I see an NHL player. Yeah. Um, you know, you, the only chance you really get to see them is if you know what hotel they're staying at. Yeah, right. Or, or it's a uh, pre-arranged uh, signature session. And I, I don't, I'm not sure if St. Louis is like that, but here in, in, in uh, Canada and NHL cities, they're, you know, these are the real deal. They're celebrities. <laughs> and, yeah, no, they, they I mean, the Blues like are that. here too. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's also that, you know, St. Louis has kind of had a little bit of a boom with uh, uh, players from the area uh, popping in and in, in the NHL. You know, we had, a, we had that draft a couple of years ago where pretty much the entire first round was all from St. Louis, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, maybe a uh, little, but yeah, but, maybe but, a little but, bit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating that a we'll little bit. We'll go with but, it on Blues Radio, though. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. St. Louis <laughs> listeners will agree. Um, you know, and, and I work for a company that's based in New Jersey, and, and I was there last summer, and uh, Zach Ashton Reese was just walking around one of the rinks that I was at. And I had obviously I'll admit, I had no idea who he was. And, uh, but you know, he's a Staten Island guy. So I uh, was like, Oh, Hey, that's Zach Ashton, Ashton Reese. And I'm like, he plays for the penguins. Right. And it was like, yeah, duh. Of course he plays for the penguins. And I'm like, Hey, I'm a St. Louis guy. Like I don't care too much about the East coast and, you yeah. know, until the playoffs hit. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and then here in St. Louis, you know, I, I played in a league where Pat Maroon, another guy we'll probably talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, he was skating in a league with me. I've played with uh, Adam Lowry on the rink. That's, I think here, the more you're more likely to run into guys at the rinks. There's a lot of alumni that, that stick around and, um, they, they are coaches. They play in the men's leagues. I know there's a big Tuesday morning skate here. For those that don't know, I'm not going to name the rink because I don't think they want to be bombarded. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there, there's a big Tuesday skate. If you just happen to be there on a Tuesday, you're going to run into you know a bunch of faces that you would definitely recognize. So it's more about being around the sport that you'll see them. But yeah, I mean, every now and then, I guess you'll you'll be out somewhere and you'll see a guy eating dinner or something. But uh, it's it's rare. They they don't get out much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the game has changed in, uh, you know, the last 40 years. Right. I mean, it's, um, you know, the, the dollar values of the players has steadily increased. Um, I, you know, I have a chance, um, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough that, uh, I've traveled a lot of places to play in a lot of different charity games with a lot of different NHL alumni. And, um, you know, to hear the old guys, um, they're my age now, <laughs> right. but, the, but the old guys talk about the game and, and, uh, you know, what's, um, how it's changed and, and even talk about the dollars and cents of it. Um, it, recently I was in Montreal and I played, uh, with Ethan Morrow, uh, three games. Uh, he's an ex, uh, captain of the Oilers, of course. Um, and he was, you know, he lived through a lockout. Right. And uh, and for him, even, you know, just in a short few years, uh, you know, he talks about how the salaries have increased uh, quite steadily. Um, Of course, he was um, part of the um, the time when they uh, did the rollback of 33 percent. He just signed a four year contract. So I think he seems still a little bitter on that one. But can't blame him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But oh, man. Right. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, that that rollback, man. I remember that. I thought, man, that is not what the players were fighting for. No, 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 he was <laughs> he was definitely uh, he was bitter on that. In fact, um, you know, and I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but Chris Pronger's name came up with that because on that as well, uh, because he was, um, I believe, one of the player representatives. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was just talking about who the player reps with Ethan Moreau. And, and so he wasn't, um, you know, he didn't think, uh, I think at the time, and I shouldn't, you know, speculate, but it sounds like he wasn't overly happy with the deal that they got. And, no. uh, and so, yeah, interesting, right? I mean, a, a whole different, uh, different game. So let's, um, you, you know, I want to, uh, let's talk about this because I, I want to go back to this. If you put a team together of Oilers, Oilers and Blues players, uh, this is a hell of a team. I keep looking at these names, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you've got uh, so first off in net, you've got your choice between Grant Fuhr and Curtis Joseph. Yeah, I mean, right? it depends on I guess what era we're talking here. If we want to talk eighties, you're going Fuhr. If you want to talk nineties, you're probably going Joseph. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and either way, like if you're to do the all time sort of blues Oilers, uh, you know, team, uh, these guys would be number, you know, number one or number two on just about any team in the league. Yep. And then of course, uh, Wayne Gretzky. Now he, um, I don't, I, I never asked you, were you, uh, I guess you would have been old enough, uh, to yeah. see him. Did you, um, did you watch him in a blues uniform? I mean, he didn't play a ton. What did he play? Oh, no, uh, I believe it was 33 games, uh, with playoffs and regular season. So, uh, best 33 games of my life, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, uh, that, I mean, you know, other blues fans will agree that that was one of the biggest stories to break in St. Louis sports history. Um, you know, the acquisition of Mark McGuire was up there, obviously the mm-hmm. Super Bowl in 2000, uh, car- every Cardinals world series, but that for the blues, uh, that, and you know, the, the 86 goal season from Brett Hall, the, uh, 2001 team that everyone thought was going to win the uh, Stanley Cup, you know that's right there with with St. Louis sports uh, stories, and um, everybody really thought that team was going to do it. Uh, Wayne Gretzky was the final piece. You you look at what the the Blues traded to get him. Really, not a lot. Uh, no, a little not bit, at all. A little bit, yeah. I mean, a little bit of cat. <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of cash, and then you know. Craig Johnson, Patrice Tardif, Roman Volpot, some draft picks, guys that never really turned out to be much of, I mean, you know, Craig Johnson had a respectable career as did Roman Volpot, but you know, they, they weren't game changers. So even though he was at the end of his career, it was, Hey, this guy's leading the blues. They're going to, you know, they gave him the C right away. Him and Brett Hall, uh, just barnstorming the NHL, the final couple games of the season. Um, you really thought, that was the team. Um, and I, I hate to go back to this cause this is always a joke that seems to come up in, in our, in our show, the Steve Eiserman goal in 96. Um, that was actually a turnover by Wayne Gretzky at center. Oh, and, no. um, yeah. And he had a, a, a lackluster back check on that play. <laughs> so there were some people instantly who were just like, get rid of him. He's gone. You know, others were, hey, he's the best player in the league. He's not going to make the best play ever, every single play. Um, and obviously he left because of Mike Keenan. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he's still regard. I mean, he's got, he still has a house here. Uh, his wife's from here. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. 
Janet uh, Jones. Yeah, she's from St. Oh. Louis. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I wasn't aware. They met when uh, he was in L.A. and she had moved to L.A. to to work on an acting career. Yeah. So so yeah, they when he came here, it was just kind of like a perfect fit. Hey, his wife's from here. He's going to be here for the rest of his career. And Mike Keenan happened, and that didn't <laughs> uh, that didn't transpire the way we thought it would. But yeah, I mean, he's still a highly regarded guy. I mean, uh, you know, he's he's one guy as I've told people before on, on this show, I saw him, uh, one time when I was in the media and (laughs) I was walking down the hall. It was one of those, it was, it was, you know, you're turning the corner, you're at the, the end of the rink. So you're turning in the tunnel and he's coming the other way. I'm looking down at some notes. I'm getting ready to go on the air to talk to somebody. And I look up and there's Wayne Gretzky walking by me. I, I don't get starstruck. That was one time I did because I was not expecting to see Wayne Gretzky. And I, I stopped. I didn't even say anything. I just looked at him and he looked right at me. And he just goes, how's it going? And I go, good. <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes, all right, then And then he just walked away. And I'm like, oh, my God, you look like a fool to Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? That's probably not the first time that's happened for him. <laughs> I, mean, you, I, I guess if you expect that he's in the building with you maybe you should uh, rehearse <laughs> rehearse yeah. what you're gonna say to him right in yeah advance. i had no uh, idea he was there and it was just out of the blue i look up and there's wayne gretzky walking towards me and i'm like i don't know what to do I, what do i do with my hands you know ricky bobby situation <laughs> it was it was a very surreal moment in my life that i remember like it was yesterday but uh that is that is awesome uh yeah and you talk about this this all-star team i mean you're right you got wayne gretzky at center there you got uh glenn anderson on the wing you know doug Waite, one of your top three centers there craig mctavish igor kravchuk and chris pronger on the on the point in fact i played against shane corson uh on uh friday Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's still uh, he's still pretty darn good. Let me tell you. I bet. Yeah, he was a he was a ton of bricks in front of the net. Oh yeah, yeah. Man, that was that was one guy that you did not mess with, and Blues fans loved him in the short time he was here. Yeah, he um, you know, he's he was just one of those players, right? I mean, I you know, I've always been a uh, Corson fan. Of course, being in Montreal and seeing him, he's um you know, well-known as uh, being a hab. He's played, you know, a number of different places. He played in Toronto and, and uh, yeah, heck of a player. Yeah. Um, really. Uh, and as I said, he, um, in fact, he, uh, he did a little inside out move on me uh, and took it to the net with a dirty little play. Uh, it didn't, he didn't score, but the rebound uh, ended up in the back of the net. And mm. um, I remember thinking to myself, like, well, Shane Corson, right? Yeah, you know, right. Like, yeah. Like if you're gonna get beat, uh, that's that's the guy. Yeah, um, he, he, this guy doesn't have anything to do with either of our teams. But I lived in Dallas for a short period, and and there was an alumni game coming up. I even think about it. I went to a to escape the Dallas practice facility, the Stars practice facility, and uh, it was like a Sunday morning, like six a.m. skate, and uh, so I just went. And there was this guy. Just, I mean, he looked like he was in his 60s. You know, he's putting his stuff on in the locker room, and he's got this old, you know, Sherwood leg pads. And 
you know, he's just, oh, it's just Hespeller gloves. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, who is this guy? And we get out there, and he is just mopping the floor with everyone in the rink. He's inside out on me. He's making me just look stupid. I get back to the bench, and I go, man, that, that old guy is just kicking my ass out there. And the guys in the bench start laughing. They go, you know who that is, right? I said, no. And they go, it's Craig Ludwig. He's in town <laughs> for the for the uh, alumni game tomorrow night. And I'm like, well, that makes perfect sense. Okay, well, I don't feel bad about myself anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, when you think about it, right? And you, some of these guys, they still have the hands. Um, in and like we talked about, Glenn Anderson, um, you know, they don't lose that hockey sense. Yeah. Uh, the game might be played a little bit differently now, but they just have a you know an amazing ability to see beyond the play and mm-hmm. uh, areas that we don't see. And you know, I. You know, some of it, um, we talk about guys needing to be in the right position, but these guys, they can play with anybody. In fact, it doesn't matter where you are on the ice, they'll find you. And some of them are so good that, um, you know, I used to play with a guy that um, played at, uh, I'm going to say the name wrong, but Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. Yeah, I think everybody knows what you're talking about. Everybody knows. (laughs) Quinnipiac, yeah, whatever it is. (laughs) Anyway, he was... um, you know, he was pretty good. And and they, of course, make it to the final four or frozen four every once in a while. Uh, you know, playing on his uh, wing, I would just put my stick on the ice and uh, watch the puck. Uh, you know, he'd bank it off my stick. <laughs> it wasn't, yep. You know, it wasn't about me uh, doing anything special. I'd just skate to the net. And these guys like, um, yeah, Ludwig and Corson and, and Dougie Waite. You know, there's a guy that, um, you know, we talk about. I've always, um, I've always thought, uh, and, um, you know, for your listeners as an American player, uh, he is in my mind, one of the best American players, uh, to ever play. Um, of course now that's changing. I mean, you guys have uh, a great development program and, and this next draft, uh, is going to showcase that. Um, and it showcases it every year, but, um, Doug Waite was certainly, um, you know, one of the best passers in the league. He reminds me, or, or I should say, uh, the current oiler Leon Dreisaitl, uh, reminds me a little bit of Doug Waite in, you know, their size, uh, how they play the game, uh, the passing. Um, but I mean, it's, it, that's pretty heady company to be in with Doug Waite, um, he was uh, he was outstanding, and of course, uh, you know he was um, he was with the Blues for quite a while, was he not? Yes, he was. Yeah, he uh, so two thousand one they uh, they let go of Pierre Turgeon in free agency, and they made the trade with the Oilers actually to get uh, to get Doug Waite brought in. And uh, I think the 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 consensus was that they thought Doug Waite and Keith Kachuk were going to be a perfect fit for each other because mm-hmm. at the time. Turgeon and Kachuk, for whatever reason, just could not figure it out. And uh, they tried waiting Kachuk. They thought two American guys, they're going to be able to figure it out. Two kind of bumpers and grinders. Didn't really work out the way they thought, but Doug Waite was still a, a, a hell of a player. I mean, uh, the way he was able to just spin off checks and deliver perfect passes, um, it's insane. Um, I remember one time he uh, he had the puck in the corner. And, you know, like you said, great passer. He just snipes it off the goalie's helmet. Bar, it goes straight down. Goalie kicks it in his net. 
And, and, you know, everybody was like, oh, he was trying to get it back to the point because that's where Al McKinnis was. And they asked him at intermission, uh, you know, Doug, we're, you know, you're trying to get back to Al, right? You know, it was, I think it was a five on three power play too. Like, oh yeah, you're just trying to get that over the sticks to Al. No, I saw the way the goalie was angled. I thought, well, if I put it off his head, it's going to go in the net. And it's just <laughs> thoughts like that. I mean, I know Sidney Crosby has done that recently. Yeah. Like, like you say, the vision these guys have to be able to just pick that spot and say, well, you know what? That goalie's head, that's a perfect spot to put the puck. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> something I would never even think about doing if I'm behind the net. Well, I might get kicked out of men's league. <laughs> but, yeah. That's a beer, right? That's a beer that's if you put it off the goalie's head. At least, at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he, I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. And and uh, Waite was a special player. And, um, you know, he was fun fun to watch. Uh, I, I'm just looking at his stats now. It's hard to believe he only had one... 100 point seasons in his whole in his whole career um also i meant to mention um i thought it was in the uh, appearance contract here that we wouldn't mention kachuk in any form oh Um, right (laughs) Right. let me specify keith kachuk (laughs) yeah 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 either way i'm I'm happy with not, not ever talking about either of them all right, uh, yeah, well, Chuck, yeah, I'll yeah. I'll edit that out. We'll strike that from the record. <laughs> yeah, strike that one from the record. Uh, um, sure you know what? It's, favorite. There was a uh, there was a player that Dugway played with, um, and I was excited when he came here too. He was only here for a very short stint, but the Oilers teams where they had Dugway and Bill Guerin, I loved watching those two together. They were so much fun. Guerin just ripping that shot. Wait, always seemed to find him. And then another guy, uh, Jason Arnott. I was always a big fan of his game too. I mean, there's there's been a I, we we talk about these guys that are, that have played for both teams. Those are three guys there that not only could they shoot, could they score, could they pass. They were hard to knock off the puck too. Yeah, you know, I, I always look at. Uh, I was a big fan of uh, of um, Bill Guerin as well, uh, and Arnott. Um, I, I've got a little story I'll tell about Arnott. Uh, but, uh, Bill Guerin, I always felt, um, for whatever reason, I mean, he never got quite the credit that he deserved. He was, um, he was a hell of a player and, and, uh, him and, and, and Dougie Waite, I mean, they looked great together when they got out there and played. Uh, you know, he was just, the thing was with, with Guerin was he was just consistent, right? Like he was consistently good and no matter what game he played in, he was noticeable, right? Like mm-hmm. he, you know, and um, I talked about playing with Ethan Moreau recently. Uh, Garen was a similar type of player uh, with maybe a few more points. Um, you know, he was he was gritty, uh, another American player, um, mm-hmm. you know, that um, he just he was a leader on the ice. And uh, yeah, it was sad, um, sad to see him go. Uh, of course, he didn't. Uh, the road to St. Louis uh, wasn't direct uh, from Edmonton, but um, yeah, he was in my mind um, somewhat of an underrated player. Uh, yeah, but I yeah, I was uh, I was a big uh, Bill Guerin fan. Uh, let's talk about Jason Arnett because <laughs> here's a guy that uh, you know he came. Uh, he was uh, picked by Edmonton. Um, I felt, uh, you know, he was a first rounder picked by Edmonton. I felt like he, um, 
you know, he was a bit of a, a prima donna when he came into the league and um, he didn't stay uh, very long in Edmonton, like five seasons, five, six seasons. Um, what was interesting was um, I'll have to let me look him up. Yeah. Okay. As I thought he's uh, he's only a year older than I am. Mm. And um, so I would see him out at the nightclubs <laughs> back in the day. And there was uh, one time I was out with uh, a girlfriend that I had at the time and he was hitting on her. Um, and, uh, and so I, you know, I took offense to that. He was a big lad. Yeah, <laughs> so, he was. Yeah, so, so if you imagine, uh, you know, I tried not to be too intimidated, but he was out there with the guys and I can't remember who they were at the time, but um, he wasn't the friendliest of fellows at that point. Um <laughs> You know, and he was a young kid, but uh, yeah, he um, he didn't play uh, in St. Louis. Uh, now I'm just looking. He played a lot later. It wasn't. He was recent, actually, like yeah. recent history. Yep, um, 2011, 2012. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, what's your take on him with St. Louis? I actually don't remember that year. Uh, yeah, much. so I loved it when they brought. It was him and Jamie Ling and Bruner. They signed him oh, yeah. right before uh, training camp, and. It was a smart move at the time. You know, they, that was the year that uh, in November they actually ended up hiring uh, Ken Hitchcock, which is somebody else we could talk about. Yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, uh, they they ended up coming in and uh, playing more more of a third line type role. Um, and Arnott was just a consistent guy that was a leader in the locker room. That was my first year in the media, so I know that. Uh, he always was making himself available for the media because there was a lot of young kids on that team. That was when Oshie and Berglund and Perron were all still pretty young guys. And uh, David Backus even was, uh, was, you know, fairly young at that point. So um, he stepped up a lot and, and he, uh, you know, he, he was there for his teammates on the ice if they needed him. And um, just a good consistent center at that time. Actually, you could probably make the case for him uh, throughout his whole career, he was a little slow afoot, mm-hmm. but uh, he did make up for that with pretty nice hands. And, uh, uh, we talk about vision. He had a great vision for the ice. He was always in the right spot. Um, you know, his, his release was a little slower than his days in say New Jersey or Dallas, but, um, you know, he, he still brought it and, uh, he was an exciting guy to watch. Yeah, well, I see. I mean, uh, he scored 17 goals. It's nothing to scoff at, Um, you know, especially if uh, I considered the Oilers this year. 17 would put you pretty much top of the team. Right. right. (laughs) It's a low bar. Uh, Of course, we did have a uh, a 50-goal scorer this year, so I'll, uh, I'll put that in there. Uh, we gotta, we gotta cheer for what we can cheer for. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that wasn't, uh, now he, did he just retire after he was done in St. Louis? Do you know much about, I um... remember there was a situation. I want to say it was, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I want to say it was the Rangers, uh, were trying to bring him on and he ended up failing the physical. Uh-huh. So he ended up, uh, never getting another offer after that. Okay. Yeah, you know, at that point, at at that age, it's just okay. If you're gonna fail a physical, you know, you're kind of a hard flyer to take. But again, I mean, his time in St. Louis, he was great. You know, and when I mentioned Jamie Langenbrunner, um, they did he's bring that, him back. 
He's a well not while not an Edmonton boy, he's an Edmonton Metro boy, like from okay. Metro Edmonton, uh Fort Saskatchewan, if I'm not mistaken. I'm gonna look him up. But uh, as okay. soon as you said him and the only reason I know that is he was playing with uh Dallas for some time. Yes. Um well no, he's not no, that's not who I'm thinking of at all. Yeah. All right. Maybe uh Get your editing tools out and edit that from the Yeah, record. there you go. <laughs> uh, he's a U.S. boy, he did? isn't he? Yeah, he is a U.S. boy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's um, that's actually great. How many um, – you've had some good American-born players then come through uh, through St. Louis for sure. So there's yeah. no – you're no stranger to that um, – uh, to American-born players there. Of course, uh, another player that um, we were going to talk about is Patty Maroon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, that's a guy that that he's been such an enigma this year. And you could really make the case for all of the St. Louis Blues uh, from their first half to the second half. Um, he was brought in as a guy who you said, OK, he was a, a top line guy in Edmonton. He played with Connor McDavid, potential to put up 30 goals. I think every Blues fan knew going into that signing, okay, he's probably not going to be a 30-goal scorer. 15 to 20 is what you have to hope for. And he started the year on uh, the top line with O'Reilly and Tarasenko. And um, that line just did not. I mean, O'Reilly looked good, but um, there's rumors that Tarasenko started the year pretty injured. Uh, Nothing's been confirmed on that. But uh, if you look at his stats, uh, it it does kind of tell the story there. Um, and then throwing Maroon out there, who there's rumors there that maybe he started a little injured too. So uh, the, the foot speed wasn't there for Maroon. Um, but again, he was a guy that they, they even when they bumped him down to the fourth line, they'd still throw him out there on the power play because of his big body, put him in front of the net. Um, and yeah, and, and again, you know, we, we look at the, the, the past of Pat Maroon and we say, this guy can definitely do it. Um, I wanted to ask you about Pat Maroon playing with Connor McDavid. Was that something that that you said this guy's got it? He can be a goal scorer, or is it just a well? He's playing with Connor McDavid. I could put up fifteen goals with Connor McDavid. Yeah, you know, I mean, you said it best. Pat Maroon's a bit of an enigma. Uh, he, um, you know, I, I think well, I don't think anybody, just anybody, can put up thirty goals with Connor McDavid. Uh, and I say that and dry settle, of course, put up 50 and played, you know, a fair bit of the time. Um, but what I do, uh, what I do think when I think about Patty Maroon is a couple things. One is, um, he's the kind of guy that you want in your locker room, right? Like he is just, uh, you know, when you're around him, when you see him on the ice, uh, everything, whether it's interviews or whatever, he is probably one of the more likable personalities you'll ever meet right and um Mm -hmm. and to top that off he's massive right like he's he is not uh you know he's not a small guy um and so he's like this um you know sort of big teddy bear of a guy that's out there playing hockey um which i you know i'm sure if you met him in the corner that's probably a bad (laughs) bad (laughs) analogy uh, but, you know, he's always got a smile on his face and, he, and he's a good news story. Um, you know, what what brings to mind, like, I th- I think that, you know, he's the kind of guy that just sort of he he understands and is thankful for his career as a hockey player. And so he gets out there and he plays uh, night after night and does what 
you know, is in his head, he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's bad. I don't think he's got the best hands that, you know, I've ever seen. I think, you know, 30 goals. Yeah, you're right. Maybe a stretch. He he could be a, you know, a, a 20 goal scorer on the right line most years. Um, but what I think he does is if, you know, if you got the right coach and, and, um, you know, you got the right player and you tell uh, Pat Maroon, look, I want you to uh, dig in the corners and then I want you to go to the net. Uh, he'll do, he'll, he'll go the line that you tell him to go and he's big enough that nobody's going to get in his way. And then he'll shovel the puck in the net 30 times. Yep. Right. Well, and I mean, that, that's, that's a, what he did. That's a cut you off, but I mean, they, uh, and again, you know, everyone knows that uh, these are pre-recorded interviews. So we were recording this actually after <laughs> game one of the uh, the Blues and Jets series. Um, first of 16 wins, hopefully. Um, <laughs> they uh, uh, He made a perfect pass at the end of the game to Tyler Bozak. I mean, it was a... It was the winner. Beauty. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just... That's the kind of thing you can get from Pat Maroon. And again, under Craig Maruby he started to, I think, kind of find his game. I think under Mike Yo, it was a, a little bit confusing what he was expected to do. Baruby being the, the chief, the big guy he is, I think he said, all right, Patty, play like I did. Go out there and, and knock some skulls around and uh, get in fights if you need to crash the net. And that's what he started doing. And the last, I'd say, 20, 25 games of the regular season and heading into the playoffs, uh, he's looked great. So he's he's one guy that uh, that you can really count on as being an X factor when you need him. Yeah, and and so to that point, right? Like this is exactly, and I and I don't want to take anything away from a Maroon, um, you know, as a player, but he doesn't, in my mind, he doesn't have the skill uh, to be, you know, just any player out there. He's got there's a certain style he has to play, and and he needs. I think he needs the right coach for it. Uh, and you're right. Uh, Barube uh, seems to be utilizing him the way he needs to be utilized. And um, that uh, just the other night and, and um, you know, hopefully that's a distant memory of a, of a number of memories uh, for St. Louis blues fans over the playoffs. Um, but he was, uh, that was his goal. Bozak might get credit on the score sheet, but that was all maroon. And I couldn't be happier for the guy. Uh, as I said, as a personality, he's a very likable guy. And, and I think, you know, under uh, under Barube, uh, he's capable of, you know, 20 to 25 goals uh, given the right lineup, right? We were – I got a fun little story about Pat Maroon. We're going to share a lot of stories of playing hockey here. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think people enjoy those. We, uh, we share those often. Uh, the one that uh, my – I know that uh, my co-host loved to tell is the time that one of my co-hosts decided to take a slap shot towards the boards and warmups and nail my other co-host in the face. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a fun one that's been told multiple times. And that's why I don't have co-hosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Yeah. Uh, but no, so uh, I was actually playing in a floor hockey league one summer. I had never done it before. I had a couple friends call me up, say, Hey, let's, let's give it a try. Uh, lo and behold, our first game was against uh, Pat Maroon and a bunch of his high school buddies. And um, his high school buddies, I'll just say, were were not the most gentlemanly players. They were not going to be winning the Lady Bing. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. thought, man, is this really how floor hockey is? Like slashing, hooking, cross-checking. I was like, man, I did not think it was like this. So I, I saw Pat Maroon. We were going into the corner. 
And I just, I'll admit, I just stopped. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just let him have the ball. I don't need it. <laughs> and uh, he passes it up and he just looks right at me and he goes, man, I'm really sorry. My, my teammates are a bunch of douchebags. I don't <laughs> condone this. And I'm like, I just stopped going into the corner because I thought you were going to rock me. And he goes, oh, no, man, I would never do that. He's like, I'm not one of my teammates. These guys are jerks. I'm like, <laughs> that's a pretty cool guy right there. So yeah. yeah, he is, he is a great guy. Very great guy. And, and, uh, he's, you know, obviously got roots here in St. Louis with family and, and all I've heard from people who know his family and know him was that he was, he was a good kid growing up and, um, very personable guy and definitely carried into his NHL career. And if you guys, uh, you know, if, if when everybody's listening to this, you guys are celebrating a cup this year. Um, you know, I couldn't be happier for, uh, for Patty that he found a place. Um, you know, uh, I, they're still, uh, in the, um, you know, whispering in the trees, uh, Oilers fans that would love to see Maroon back, uh, you know, in the, uh, with the oil drop on his chest and playing some, uh, Oilers hockey. He was a fan favorite and, um, you never know. He might be back in Edmonton one day. Uh, but I know he loves being, um, being out in St. Louis. Uh, when, when do we get to, uh, Freddie Brathwaite? <laughs> Let's do it right now. Let's talk Freddie Brathwaite. I mean, this is, That's what the listeners want. That is, that is what the listeners want. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually I did want to talk to you about, uh, another player currently on the blues roster and former, uh, Edmonton oiler. And it was, uh, he was brought there via trade with the blues David Perron, uh, July 10th, 2013 was the day that trade was made. Uh, David Perron, obviously being the centerpiece of that move, Magnus Payarvi, which we'll get to, uh, a part of that. I know you were probably happy to unload him at that point. Uh, but, uh, David Perron, I, I think when he went there, I know at least Blues fans said, man, you put him out there at the, at the time with Taylor Hall or Nugent Hopkins, uh, he's going to be a 30 to 40 goal scorer. That didn't seem to pan out. Uh, what what was it like having David Perron out there in Edmonton? So Perron is, um, you know, I mean, he's he's been plagued by consistency uh, pretty much his whole career, right? I mean, he um, and uh, you know, it 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 kind of makes me think, right? Like we look at Vegas. He had a hell of a year in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's, there's two ways I look at him. Sometimes I think he's the guy you love if he's on your team. And then he's the guy you hate if he's on your team. He's the guy you hate anytime he's playing against you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. So, you know, uh, two thirds of the time you hate the guy. <laughs> right? Yep. And then yep. third of the time you love the guy. Uh, he's just, he's just not consistent. Right. Um, you know, and, and, but when he's on. Uh, and he's playing his game. Uh, he is one of the most noticeable players on the ice, and uh, he didn't play long in Edmonton uh, a couple seasons. Um, but man, when that guy had a good game and he was being a pest, and you could tell by the look in his eye, <laughs> right? Um, and you just knew. Like anybody that out there that's listening, that's played hockey and you play against guys like that and you see that asshole face that they get and you know that they're just going to be a pain in the ass all game 
and you do everything in your power to make sure they don't score and they keep potting goals on you or, or yep. getting assists. And, and when Perron is on his game, like he was a good, good deal of last year. Um, you know, he's, he's outstanding, but, uh, certainly consistency was, um, it, it depends on what David Perron shows up on which night, uh, I think is, is his biggest problem. And I, and I, you know, I don't know, I don't know enough about him as an individual. Um, I've never, you know, heard much, uh, about him as a, as a player in the locker room. That's either good or bad. I don't know. Um, has he ever worn the A or the C anywhere he's been? I don't believe so. Maybe in Vegas. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess it's something we can look up. I don't know if there's there should be a website for that. <laughs> you would think there is. I'm sure there is somewhere. <laughs> I mean, so my point being is, I mean, he just he doesn't um, he doesn't feel like a uh, you know the leader of leaders on a team, and and um, you know what his season this year has been not terrible, right? But uh, you know, I I guess what's what's he like now, right? Like yeah, I mean, he... you 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 hit the nail on the head with consistency. Um, you know, and, and offensive zone penalties—that's always kind of the joke with him. Whenever whenever he's struggling, he seems to, I think, get frustrated on the forecheck and uh, maybe just go a little two balls to the wall either hooking guys down or, or run them into the boards too hard or, or, you know, hooking, whatever, uh, slash, he's a big slasher too. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at some pictures of him and there are some shots of him in Vegas with the A. So sporadically, I guess he wore an A when there was an injury, but, uh, I don't, I don't (laughs) think he's done it anywhere else to be honest. Yeah. He he had a hell of a year last year, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And he was one of the, he was one of the veteran guys they, they, they uh, relied on. Uh, but yeah, in St. Louis this year, he actually was a was a healthy scratch. Um, one game, it was a big a big thing because you know it's the third time he signed here in St. Louis. It's obvious he loves playing here. Uh, mm-hmm. Doug Armstrong is obviously a fan of his, and you see him get healthy scratched by the new coach, and you think, oh boy, you know that's uh, that's something. He comes back, sixteen game point streak. I mean, the guy just just lit it up after that, and and. You just I think sometimes he just needs that nudge, that push to get to the game that we all know he could play. Um, it's unfortunate if that has to be a healthy scratch every now and then. But, um, you know, I think most of the time it's just he gets his confidence. He'll he'll get one goal. You know, maybe it's a luck goal. Maybe it's a, a good skill goal. And then you see him just go on a tear. But if you he goes two or three games without a goal, you're thinking, oh, boy, we're not going to see David Perron score for another 12. <laughs> I guess you know my biggest question, and and um, maybe you have some insight. Um, I haven't really looked it up, but I was I've been curious why Vegas didn't take him back. I mean, I what, have no idea. Yeah, to that, me that, that was me. Uh, yeah, it was it was probably one of the shocking things. And and I mean, does that is there does that say anything about the player? I don't know. I mean, Vegas is still Vegas. They're still you know a decent team, but. Um, you know, you expect he was almost a point point a game player last year. Uh, you would think that um, unless if he was asking for more, or maybe he didn't want to play there. Maybe he didn't maybe. want to go back to St. Louis. Possible, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I do know that uh, he was. I believe he was a healthy scratch at one point in the playoffs because he was struggling. So maybe that was part of it. Maybe they said we can't rely on this guy. We got to we're, we're in it to win a cup, and 
he's not a guy that can form the playoffs, but he's, yeah, I mean, again, we've only seen one game this year, but he looked great uh, last night in Winnipeg. So um, I think it's, I don't think it's a matter of him not being a big game performer. I just think it's a matter of when he gets hot. And uh, I think lately he's been playing very well. So uh, we'll see because this is a, another contract for him where he's going to be back next season and, and the season after if uh, the Blues decide to not give him to Seattle. Um, <laughs> he will, uh, he, you know, and, and uh, I think that he's a guy that uh, if he's motivated, he's a hell of a, a top six forward for this team. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I said, when he's on, uh, he's a difference maker. Um, it's those stretches that he goes when he's, when he's not on. And it was the same way in Edmonton. Um, you know, there was, um, you know, I can think of many nights on the after hours radio where, you know, guys were calling in and swearing about Perron and, and then other nights where the guys were calling in and, you know, he was the best player in the league. Right. right. Um, yeah, I was excited when he came over. Um, uh, but, uh, and, and again, right. Like he, he's the kind of guy when he's on, you hate playing against him. Right. Yep. Like I, you know, I've, I remember in some games against Vegas last year, the Oilers playing against, uh, uh, you know, Perron and man, I hate that guy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yep. And, uh, and sure enough, he'd, uh, you know, make, uh, make the Oilers pay. That could be said about, you know, just about every player in the league at right. some point in the last 13 though. So, um, <laughs> we'll carry I, you on know, I remember, uh, I think it was the second time they played the Oilers after he was traded. Alexander Steen, uh, got into it with him and they got in a fight and Steen's maybe been in five fights his entire life. And, uh, and yeah, I remember thinking former teammates, like, what does that say about David Perron? But I think it's exactly what you're talking about. I think it was they were buddies. I mean, they've, they've been playing together again now, and, and I haven't heard of any problems between them. I think it's just a matter of, yeah, you're my ex-teammate. You're probably still my friend. But my God, I hate playing against you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he I, is, man. He's a pest. While we're uh, talking about this, I'm going to look it up. I'm, I'll probably, uh, if you look at my Twitter feed later, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll see a little... Alexand or uh, Perron versus Steen. Uh, yeah, scrum. Uh, yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, <laughs> so we talk about players that are tough to play against, and there's definitely, like I said, one thing we need to talk about: Chris Pronger. Uh, he was obviously a, a guy in St. Louis who was expected to bring the cup here. Um, had a couple shaky playoff performances with taking penalties. Um, lockout happens. The owner wants to, to clean house. He decides to trade Chris Pronger to Edmonton. I want to get to the other side of that trade before we, uh, end this too. Um, because I know my co-hosts are, are going to be listening and saying, okay, talk, talk about Mr. Brewer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Chris Pronger, he comes one season to Edmonton, uh, the year after the lockout. And leads the team in points uh, in the uh, in the postseason, mm-hmm. and many say that if that team would have won the Stanley Cup, Chris Pronger would have been your Conn Smythe winner. I remember a game where he scored. Uh, I think he scored the first ever penalty shot goal by a defenseman in the Stanley Cup final, um, and just had a great playoff. I mean, unbelievable playoff. Um, what was that like for you getting that? 
getting that marquee player that you probably hated before he came to you and then just seeing him go on that tear in the playoffs. So lots of things happened uh, around that time. One was um, for Oilers fans like myself who uh, have two favorite teams. I always say the Oilers and whoever is playing Calgary. Um, (laughs) Of course, Calgary had just uh, gone to the the Stanley Cup finals um, and uh, and lost uh, to Tampa. And so, you know, there was this and there were these years of Edmonton sort of toiling into the playoffs, um, you know, just just getting in like eighth place. Right. They were always fun and exciting to watch. But, you know, so we we've had sort of three stages of being an Oilers fan. We've we've had the the glory years where we expected to win year after year. We had these, um, you know, the the middling years where. You know, we were sitting in seventh and eighth and and we had some exciting moments then like beating Dallas. Uh, you know, we seemed to be up against Dallas every every uh, post uh, postseason. And then the lockout happens and um, everybody's kind of excited because right at that time is when Edmonton was transitioning from a small market team to a big market team. Mm hmm. And uh, bringing in uh, Pekka, it was at the time, and, and Chris Pronger was the organization's way of saying, we're here and we are now a big market team and we're willing to invest in this franchise. And they even had a, um, a party uh, which uh, for Pekka and Pronger uh, when they signed them. Or when they, not when they signed it, but when they had them uh, as new Oilers. And so they had this, you know, they had the two of them came out with their Oilers jerseys on and and it was an exciting time. That season was, you know, average. They didn't, you know, they they looked good at times. Um, Nobody expected them to be going to the finals that year. Uh, But certainly, you know, Pronger was, um, yeah, Pronger is a special player. Uh, He's he's a massive guy that, uh, you know, um, was offensive and and defensive and and if i had to guess um i think you could probably ask you know uh anybody who they hated playing against the most during his era as a player and uh, he was right up there right Mm -hmm. like um you know he'd be you know 50 percent of those um the the respondents answer answers uh so you know having pronger come over uh was pretty exciting for us uh, so I, I mentioned to you that, um, you know, I, I, uh, had heard some news about him. There were a lot of rumors as to why he left, uh, Edmonton. Um, I remember those. yeah. And, uh, and some of them actually have, uh, some very personal ties to, so it was kind of interesting. Um, but I, I'll tell you what I did find out, which is that, um, Pronger actually asked for a trade at Christmas time. Oh, Wow. I did and, not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the interesting thing, um, you know, is that, um, you know, we, you know, as Oilers fans all thought it was after the season was done. Um, but these things take time. Right. And so, you know, for him to ask for the trade and, and of course, all of the um, pomp and circumstance that came with him coming over to the Oilers, uh, you know, I think, you know, they weren't going to trade him in season. 
I think the fact that the Oilers made it to the finals, <laughs> you know, made it that much uh, more difficult for the franchise uh, yeah. to say, okay, now we got now we have to trade this guy, right? Like, oh. I think maybe they had thought, well, we'll wait till the end of the season, right? Like, we'll play it out, and then we'll, you know, announce that he wants to trade, and and we'll, you know, <laughs> we'll trade him. Um, he didn't. It wasn't like he had the you know, this, the season of seasons when he, when he came over, right? Like it was, um, you know, he, you know, he was, uh, he was a big guy. He played, played well in Edmonton and, and, uh, but, um, so I, I, my suspicion is they, they thought, well, we'll just play out the season. Um, and so they did. And then of course, you know, you go to the finals and he's, as you said, he could have easily won the con Smythe. Right. Um, he was that valuable to the team. Um, and now, you know, that he's asking for a trade. I'm sure at that point, you know, as a manager, you're you probably go into progress and say, hey, you think you could reconsider? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, and and, um, you know, I, I, I understand there. I think there were multiple reasons for him wanting to leave Edmonton. Um, some of it might be based in, in the truth to some of those rumors. Uh, my understanding is um, his wife had, had a very big part to play in that as well, that um, she did not enjoy her time there. Uh, Edmonton is, uh, you know, if, if you're from there, which I am, um, you know, and I love the city and, and, uh, I would, you know, um, I don't live in Edmonton currently, but I'd move back in a heartbeat because there's a lot of things I like about it, but it's, it's not for everybody, <laughs> right? It's, it's, uh, it's an acquired taste. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's the Cleveland of, uh, of Canada, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's a, um, it's a blue collar city, right? Mm. And, um, you know, you drive around it and what you'll notice right away is that um, it's not one of those cities where, you know, the good is is on one side of the city and the bad is on the other side of the city. It's kind of all it's all kind of mixed in together. And so mm -hmm. you could be one block could be some nice homes and the next block could be, you know, some dilapidated old, uh, <laughs> you know, old places. And, and so you know, if, if you're making the kind of money these guys are making and you want to live that sort of secluded and wealthy lifestyle, which I'm sure uh, Pronger was uh, used to being in St. Louis and and his wife was used to. Uh, certainly his wife, I think, grew up from that. I think she mm -hmm. was she was from money. Um, yes, I don't I don't was. think that's you know, I don't think that's the city uh, for them. And, and that's fine. I don't hold that against them. Uh, certainly Oilers fans. Um, you know, he, he is, he, uh, is well known as being a part of that finals, uh, victory, but, um, you know, you kind of, you kind of spit a little bit every time you say his name. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, uh, he'll, he'll kind of go down as, um, well, there's, there are a few players, Danny Heatley being one of them that, uh, also <laughs> is on the most hated list. Uh, and then there's one more that, that we're going to talk about, but, um, Chris Pronger is, um, he's worthy of being your favorite player. There is no doubt. Uh, as far as a player goes, um, you know what? I, I love the guy as a player. Uh, would have loved to see him in an Oilers uniform for a lot longer. And to some extent, I really do think that his requirement for a trade, um, you know, is, is part of the curse of the Oilers right now. 
uh, it did snowball into uh, into the dark years. Um, and I think just the fact that, you know, this was one of the, um, there haven't been a lot of demanded trades in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, that was one of them that was, you know, highly publicized. And I think when, when that happens uh, for a GM, uh, you're dead in the water, right? <laughs> like yeah. You, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, the sharks start circling, they smell blood. And, you know, I'm, I'm certain the guys will uh, call each other up and say, uh, you know, um, the Oilers are looking to pawn this guy off. Uh, I could really use him, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they, right. You know, yeah. So we didn't get quite what we probably deserved for him. Um, and neither did you, though, I guess, in, <laughs> in, the, in the end. So let, let's maybe talk about that. What What was your um, – I, I can tell you, Eric Brewer, I was sad to see him go. Because... I was going to ask you because I know I've talked to a lot of Oilers fans and and when mm-hmm. he was traded they said imagine if we could have kept Brewer somehow and had Brewer and Pronger together on the top pairing and I I hear that and I say why would you put Eric Brewer on the top pairing with one of the best defensemen in the league but you saw a much different Eric Brewer than we did in St. Louis yeah. So, and, and keep in mind, right? Like Brewer was still a young, young player, uh, well, young as a defenseman, right? When he, um, when he got uh, traded, uh, you definitely saw a different player, but you know, he had all the tools to be, um, you know, just one of those really sort of game changing defensemen, like a nice pass. He, he skated well. Um, you know, he was, um, up until that point of his, of his career, you know, he was, uh, sort of a 25 point ish a year defenseman. Uh, he was, you know, not afraid to get into the corners. He was smart. Um, there were a lot of good things about him that, um, you know, we, uh, we liked. And, uh, and, and, and so much, uh, of your view of a player is, is their personality. Uh, and that was another thing that I think everybody, you know, kind of liked about Brewer is he seemed like a, you know, a good kid at the time. So when he got traded over to St. Louis, I think, you know, for those, they'd be the the stats kind of guys now The you know, they'd be, they'd be those guys that were, you know, would be saying like, we're missing out on somebody that's going to be something somewhere. And, and I say that, and I have no idea what his course he was. <laughs> could have right. been could have been awful. I'm just I'm, I'm picturing that that's kind of how everybody was feeling at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we were sad to see him go. Um, but you know, it w- wasn't so much uh, like I, I think you had to give up something or somebody that you thought would be worthwhile uh, for a Chris Pronger. Right. Um, there is no Chris Pronger is a known was a known commodity at the time. It's not like, you know, he was coming over and nobody knew who he was. So I think anybody that was smart enough to understand the game, you know, understood that, um, you know, Brewer was, you know, a small price to pay. Um, and it and it turned out that way, although <laughs> maybe it didn't, I guess. But Brewer never, never really kind of caught on anywhere after. No, uh, he didn't. Yeah. And in and, and St. Louis, you know, he, he was the captain for the same reasons you just said, that he was an excellent guy. Um, talking to, to former players that played with him, 
Um, they said that he was the the world's best teammate. Um, everyone loved him in the locker room. Just a, a great guy. Always had players' backs on the ice if they needed, and um, first one to speak up in the locker room when it was needed. And um, so that's that's part of the reason he wore the C here in St. Louis. And and I'll you know we make jokes about Eric Brewer on this show all the time, but <laughs> I have said before, and and I think my co-host would agree that. It was more that he was put in a situation that just was not fair to him. He was brought in to, first of all, you're being traded for Chris Pronger, one of mm-hmm. the marquee defensemen in the NHL. I, In my opinion, the best defenseman to ever played for the Blues. And so you're already brought up on this pedestal. Okay, you're the guy we got for Chris Pronger. What can you do? And then on top of that, I think with the, the dilapidated teams they had while he was around, uh, not a lot of goal scorers, not a lot of guys that could be prolific. Um, I mean, hell, one of their big free agent signings was Dean McCammond at the time. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it was just some lean years. And for him, I think at that point in his career, he was more of a maybe 20-minute guy, second-pairing guy, but they kept throwing him out there 30 minutes a game, uh, first-pairing, playing against the top players in the league, and there's been very many, there's been a, a many cases that, that have been shown where he was very injured and playing uh, almost every night and still playing 30 minutes a game. So um, it's a little unfair for us to, to poke fun at Brewer. He's kind of the face of those, those poor years here in St. Louis. But, you know, I, I mean, at the same time, uh, what am I, and I know I've told this story before, but. One of my favorite uh, moments in Blues history, to be quite honest with the broadcast, was um, it was on the radio. I was not hearing it live. Otherwise, I would have been very confused. Uh, Chris Kerber, Kelly Chase were the uh, the radio crew. Kerber is calling the play, and then they just start laughing out of nowhere. And you think about it, you know, if it's on TV, okay, you know what's going on. You can laugh along. If you're on the radio, you're going, what, what the hell just happened? And they're laughing and laughing. And you just hear Kelly Chase going, did you see that? Did you see that? And it's going on for a good 10, <laughs> 10 seconds yeah. before they pick up the play again. And Chris Kerber finally comes on and says, sorry, folks. Uh, Kelly and I, that one really tickled us. Um, Brewer was skating up uh, from behind the net. No one around him just fell backwards. <laughs> no one around him apparently and he just fell flat i mean not even yeah. on his butt he fell on his back and yeah, i mean nice. it was just skates over his head and, and yeah i mean that's 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 a play that people in st louis remember like oh i yeah. remember when brewer just fell and no one was around him. <laughs> you know for all we knew there was a huge divot in the ice you know we don't know but that's the kind of stuff you remember eric brewer for and it's probably not you know it's not fair to him but um you know, I'm sure there's players like that in every team's history. So you, um, it's funny because in this, you, uh, the list that we, you sent over, you didn't have Dean McCammons. Oh, uh, that's right. He was an oiler. Wasn't he? he was an oiler. Yeah. And he, yeah. you know what he, um, during those kind of years that I was talking about, he, he played, uh, for the Oilers and, um, was a regular contributor. In fact, uh, I was a big Dean McCammon fan, uh, back then he kind of, uh, he wasn't drafted by Edmonton, but uh, Edmonton picked him up, and he's um, he's an Alberta boy, and and uh, he had some good years uh, yeah. with Edmonton. Yeah, 
I thought that was a an excellent signing for the Blues at the time because he was a um he's just a good like depth second line forward. But honestly, again at that time they were so needing somebody to step in on the top line. He was thrown out there with Doug Wade on the top line, and I mean he was always just a step behind. And it was just oh my god, put anyone else out there other than Dean McGammon. So he would have played with Doug Waite uh, in Edmonton. I don't remember if they played on the same line together, but um, funny, right? I mean, these guys all end up uh, kind of following each other around and speaks to the game, right? I mean, a lot of times, you know, they'll ask players or or coaches, I mean, who, um, you know, what do you think of this guy, right? Like, is he somebody that we could have in the locker room? Uh, just looking at their uh, their stats, Dean McCammond was uh, it was a minus twenty five, and I don't put a lot of stock in plus minus, but minus twenty five is pretty awful when he was in yep. St. Louis. Yeah, uh, and Eric Brewer that same year was a uh, minus seventeen. Uh, <laughs> what was that year like for um, for St. Louis? Oh, that was that was rough. Um, that's we talk about how the Steve Eiserman call is not something that. We like to talk about on the show that year is also another thing that doesn't come up much. Um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, it's, it was a weird year because you kind of went in, you still kind of had this false hope, you know, that Eric Brewer is going to be, you know, a slight, slight touch, not as much Chris Pronger, but he's close. And you thought, okay, Doug Waite still got it. Keith Kachuk's got it. Uh, Mike Sillinger was a guy that uh, was having some great years there in St. Louis before they moved him that year. Um, and then Patrick Laleen was a guy that uh, they thought was going to be a, a solid player for him. And it just, nothing worked out. I mean, uh, uh, Mike Kitchen was the head coach and uh, again, probably unfair for him because he didn't have a whole lot of talent to work with. And um it was a weird year. You know, you went into the year saying, okay, hockey's back and, you know, this is great. The Blues are going to be a playoff team. I remember they signed Scott Young right before the season started, a, a former Blue. And you said, okay, with Young in, on the team, yeah. they are going to make the playoffs. And they just, I think they went, they had like a 13-game losing streak. And it was a weird year because that's coming off the the 25 years making the playoffs every year. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it hurt, it hurt St. Louis. Um, I remember reading a stat about halfway through the year that every team since the lockout was improving on attendance. Every team, either, <laughs> either they were, uh, selling out still or beginning to sell out every game because people were happy to have hockey back. The only city that struggled from the lockout was the blues was St. Louis. And that's because they came out of the gates just so rough. But, yeah. you know, you, ha you had the hope with Eric Johnson getting drafted. Thought, okay, this guy's going to be the next Chris Pronger. That didn't work out. It wasn't until you started seeing uh, Alex Petrangelo getting picked and uh, guys like David Backus coming up being regular uh, contributors that uh, you started kind of actually getting hope on these guys again. But, uh, yeah, that uh, that one year, that was... That was something in St. Louis. Hopefully we'll never witness that again. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at the, um, and I know this is an Oilers Blues thing. I'm looking at the roster from that year uh, and the stats uh, on Hockey DB. And it looks like the only player to play a full season that year was Rycroft. 
<laughs> and there are a ton of players that played, you know, under 60 games, under 70 games that year. So obviously injuries. Uh, the other thing that sticks out to me is, um, you know, we're talking about um, American-born players. Uh, some really good American-born players, of course, led by Scott Young. Um, but to think, uh, you know, that must have, it had to have been a tough season because Scott Young led the led the team with 49 points at season's <laughs> end um, and, a, and a minus 32. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, but the, it, even the combined age, the average age, this team would get lit up, um, yep. in, uh, in today's game, uh, no doubt. Uh, but there, <laughs> wow. I like, I'm, that had to have been uh, a really tough season. It's, um, it's kind of neat though to see, right. I mean, you know, that, uh, is where the blues were, um, you know, the season prior to the Oilers um, going on this, you know, what is like a 13-year uh, real sort of doldrums type of um, franchise. Uh, and then the Blues uh, didn't take long, um, really, before they kind of came back to being a team. Uh, but yep. this was, um, this had to be, I mean, even if you look at the uh, season standings uh, there that year, uh, get this, you guys scored under 200 goals, so 197 goals for, and 292 goals against for a oh. minus 95 goal differential. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts. Like, that is, uh, that has got to be one of the hardest. Um, and, and, um, you know, you look at, uh, Detroit, and you completely reverse that for goals for and goals against. That'd be a hard, hard year to be a fan. Uh, oh yeah, so it was. My hat's off to you. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what, though, that year uh, for me, I was a college kid at the time. Yeah, uh, that was a great year because nobody wanted to go to the game, so the Blues were basically giving away tickets just to get people <laughs> in. I went to probably twenty games that year, and yeah, I mean they lost pretty much every one of them probably 18 of those games but we had a lot of fun we got in there for you know 10 bucks beer yeah. was being sold for seven bucks and those that that was that was the best part of the year but uh yeah at the same time it was uh i mean well plus you know you factor in you're watching chris pronger go to the stanley cup final against doug Waite, who had just been traded from the blues yeah um i want to say there was another former blue in that final um drawing a blank on who it was but yeah, it was just, uh, you know, and Doug Waite, you know, he's one of the first guys they hand the cup to, and, and it's just, oh, my <laughs> God, you know. And, and you don't know, already seen it a bunch with guys like Shanahan and, you know, all these other guys that, that had gone on to win cups, and then you're seeing it where these guys literally were just blues, it seems like, yesterday, and they're battling for a cup. So that that made it, it rough. But like you said, you know, people – look back on those years and, and think about how hard it was to be a fan. But I tell people, man, it really was not that long. They were back in the playoffs in 09. And then they were consistently back in the playoffs in 12. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's an impressive quick turnaround. And uh, a lot of the credit for that goes to John Davidson. And you're seeing what he's doing in Columbus now that, uh, you know, he was able to, to get a quick turnaround there and, uh, you know, get these, these guys back in the playoffs and, and bring hockey back to its glory in St. Louis. 
So let's hope uh, the Oilers are listening right now and uh, John Davidson's up for grabs. I will tell you that I think all NHLers listen to my show. So <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. They do. Uh, before ever again, we're like, all right, what did Ponder say in last night's show? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I am going to tell you that uh, when this comes out, I'm going to, um, you know, heavily uh, uh, push it because I think, you know, when I look at that and I think, um, you know, how tough that year must have been as a Blues fan uh, to where you are now, although at the beginning of the season, it might have been a different story in, in your yes. head. Um <laughs> But but this team has had, you know, you know, this is to me, the Blues are the kind of um, franchise that I would like to have uh, to be be around. Right. In terms of, you know, there's there's not a lot of, you know, bad seasons in there, like really, really bad seasons. Right. And um, certainly you're not, you know, hoping for a lottery uh, win every year like we've we seem to be most years. <laughs> Um, and, and so, but I do think that, um, as far as, you know, being an Oilers fan, that there's, there's opportunity, uh, for this team to, uh, to turn it around and, and, um, you know, we've got, of course, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So, you know, Oilers fans, if, if you're listening when this comes on air, uh, you know, this is, um, this is kind of a, a bit of a success story to be you know, in those doldrums, uh, that had to, you know, that's among probably one of the worst years in blues history, I'm sure. And, and to yes. be, you know, now, um, back into the playoffs, that's great. And, and it, as I said earlier, uh, my pick, uh, to at least be in the Western conference final, I'll be honest, I'm picking, uh, Tampa to win the cup, but, um, if, uh, if St. Louis did it, I'd be, uh, I'd be all for that. I'd be cheering for you guys all the way. Uh, it's a good story. Yeah, I've heard that from multiple people that because um, I, I I've said that too. You know, when I saw the uh, the again the Rams won the Super Bowl, the the Cardinals. I've seen two World Series wins in my time, and um, it, just the feeling you get now. Hockey is obviously number one for me, but even just seeing those teams succeed was such an uplifting thing for the city and for its fans. And um, something I've always said, you know, like as much as uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this on the show because. People are going to want to hang me after they hear this. I was rooting for the Cubs to win the World Series that year because <laughs> I I feel like every team deserves to see their team win once. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm obviously rooting for the Blues to do that, but it sounds like there's a lot of people outside of Blues Nation that are doing the same. Uh, you know, I know that uh, a lot of Kings fans I've talked to, Ducks fans, you know, they're saying, hey, go get them, Blues. We want to see you guys do it next. So, yeah. Hopefully it'll be a different story. Hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll be saying, uh, you know, you and I will be saying, shit, should we, should we strike that from the show because they won? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, uh, you know, to that, um, you, you said we hope every team wins at least once. Calgary Flames have won their cup, so I will never have to cheer for them. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. That criteria. That's uh, good. Yeah, that is. Uh, I would have a real, real hard time with that yep. one. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, it's great. I never have to root for the Blackhawks or the Red Wings. So That's I'm right. That's right. That. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, one guy that um, you know, and I, and I don't have a lot of time left here, but um, yeah, me one neither. guy I want to talk about uh, just quickly is um, you know what lots has been made of him uh, this year, and it's you know it's a sad story is Joe Murphy. Yeah. 
And, uh, of course, you know, he played uh, a couple of, uh, well, he was, you know, a hell of a player, uh, to yes. be fair. Um, do you, uh, do you remember him, uh, much of him, uh, when he was in St. Louis? So I would say that when I really started becoming a blues fan, which is right around 94, 95, that was when Joe Murphy was, uh, was kind of the, the, the winger behind Brett Hall. It was, uh, you know, Hall was your right wing on the top line. You had Jim Campbell coming up. Uh, Pavel Dimitra had been acquired, but Joe Murphy was kind of that guy that you could always plug in. And, uh, yeah, I, I loved his game. I thought, uh, you know, he was just a guy that uh, that was kind of a little engine that could. He never stopped skating. Um, good shot, honestly, really good shot. And uh, a guy that that I, I feel like you you could put him in a checking role or you could put him in a scoring role, and he's going to perform for you. He's going to give you something good every night. Um, was that how he was in Edmonton as well? Yeah, I mean, he had, uh, you know, he he only played a few seasons in Edmonton, um, but I remember him well. Like, he's one of those guys where you kind of remember his lid, you know, like you just yeah. remember how he looked in a helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, um, of course, you know, I, I remember the excitement of him coming to Edmonton because he was the first overall pick uh, uh, when he um, when he entered the league. Um, he had a, you know, he was a point of game player. He was a, you know, a goal scorer. He was getting assists. Um, you know, he played a gritty, gritty kind of game. Um, you know, there was nothing not to like about, um, about Joe Murphy and, and, uh, you know, that was, um, you know, again, that's, that's the nineties when the Oilers played a, a fun, really fun sort of fast game. And, and, you know, to be, this is going to sound crazy, because uh, you'd think I'd become a fan during the glory years, um, but it was the '90s Oilers that made me a fan of the Oilers, wow. um, because of the way they played. Uh, you know, and guys like Joe Murphy were such a big part of that. Um, just looking up his stats, yeah, he was um, his final year with the Oilers was in '91, '92, and he had uh, 82 points, uh, 35 goals, 47 assists. Um, you know, 10, 10 on a power play, 10, 10 goals on a power play. So obviously, um, and, uh, you know, that year, um, you know, I remember those sort of early, early nineties years. And, and I remember watching Joe Murphy and thinking, uh, you know, what a, you know, what a hell of a player and, and good to have him, uh, on this team. Um, now I'm looking at his stats. He, um, oh, I lost him here. Here we go. So then he didn't end up in St. Louis till 96, 97. Um, yep. And then he played uh, close to a full season his first year doing 20 goals and a uh, quarter of a season the next year with uh, 13 points. It looks like it was likely uh, injury uh, that yeah. set him out. Um, yep. And then he ended yeah, up. That was when he started really having some concussion issues from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, did you, um, did they, uh, it was TSN that did the story here in Canada, uh, yes. when they found him and you, and you had a chance to see that they played that there, did they? In yes. St. Louis? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw it. Yep. Unfortunate story. Um, just, a, it, you know, it, he was always kind of a character too. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember hearing stories about him in the locker room, just, you know, kind of being a, an interesting guy that the guys would, you know, kind of razz on to, to get him to, you know, say something weird or funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you know, and uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of guy you want to have in your locker room. And that's a, it's a real shame to, uh, to see what, what, uh, what's become of him, but um, hopefully he gets the help he needs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of the more, you know, I, I think, um, you know, right or wrong, right. Like sometimes people look at these uh, players as, um, you know, earning a lot of money for a game that they love and that's it. And they take the human side out. Uh, I think, you know, having um, the opportunity in Edmonton to watch a guy like Joe Murphy and I, and I keep going back to, he's really, what I remember of him is, is like I said, the lid, right? Like the, yeah, yep. <laughs> it's just, I just remember watching him play and, and you always knew when Joe Murphy was playing and you knew when he was on the ice, uh, he just had that look to him and everything. But, um, you know, he's, he's definitely part of the human side of the game and, and, uh, some of what, uh, some of the toll it takes. Um, but he played that kind of game. That was the kind yep. of game he played. And, and, uh, yeah, as, as you said, let's, uh, let's hope he gets, uh, he gets back on there. Speaking of, uh, movies, um, did you get a chance to see making Coco? I unfortunately have not, but it is on my list. I need to see it because I, I, again, that, uh, that, that era of blues hockey was when I really started getting into it. And, uh, Grant Fuhrer was, it wasn't always will be, uh, one of my favorite players of all time. And I've, I've talked to him before in the press box and just super nice guy loves talking and dissecting the game. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see that. Uh, I'm guessing you've seen it. What What's your review on it? Yeah, so I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, be at the premiere in Calgary and the premiere in Edmonton. Um, nice. And uh, in Calgary, I was at the um, VIP party with Grant Fear there and, and actually walked him and his wife uh, back to their hotel. Um, not wow. purposefully, uh, so it wasn't stalker-ish, but I happened to be just... <laughs> leaving the uh, event at the same time as him and and um so had a, a nice little walk with him and and um you know i i think it it deserves to be said uh this man is you know um he's he's a soft-spoken guy uh he is just a really class act um mm -hmm. as far as um you know ex-players go and uh very humble um, I, I, you can get it from watching the movie, but he doesn't love talking about himself <laughs> too much. Yeah, true. Um, uh, but, um, you know, it's, there's some emotional parts in the movie, of course, with, um, the fact that, you know, he, uh, was supposed to have a year long suspension. Right. Um, and, uh, he talks a lot about his time in St. Louis. So, uh, certainly if, uh, you know, you're a blues fan, uh, which if you're listening right now, you, you most definitely are, yeah. uh, unless if you're a fan of my podcast and you're listening in cause I'm on here. Um, but, um, it's, it's worthwhile for blues fans to go and watch, um, lots is made of course of the Oilers years because that's when he won his cups, but, um, he was certainly a huge part of the blues organization and, and, uh, I mean, he played there, uh, well, what, uh, four, five, four, five seasons, four, four, four five, seasons. Yeah. And, um, and it was the, uh, one season that he was there that he, he made the record of most, uh, most games played. Um, you know, I, I think he didn't play in maybe two or three games. Yeah. He, uh, he had a 76 game streak of starting every game, which is, I mean, honestly, you say, Today it's unheard of. It was unheard of back then. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and, and, he was, and he was a consistent guy too. And it was near the tail end of his career. It's not like he just, you know, he was just new in the league and he's still at his knees and everything about him. Um, you know, and, and to think he's also the guy that got sent home <laughs> for being yep. overweight, right? Like yep. how you get a guy, you know, all of these things all tied in together. Uh, he's larger than life. And um, I do blame uh, the Blues a little bit um, for not keeping him away from the Calgary Flames organization. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I still remember the day they traded him to Calgary. I was like, that can't happen. I, he was an oiler for too long. You can't make him a flame. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, uh, you know, if, if I did have one, one thing that, uh, I had wrong with the blues organization, that <laughs> that's probably, uh, right up there, but, uh, oh, don't no, worry. They, they made up for it later awesome. when they, they made up for it later when they gave the flames, uh, Roman Turek. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, uh, Freddie Brathwaite, I believe, also played for the Flames. He did. The Oilers did. and the Blues uh, to be up there in uh, goalie speak. Uh, Brathwaite uh, will always go down as the goalie that uh, you and I talked the most about. Yes, yes. That is always <laughs> going to be the link for us. Every time we have a show together, it's, all right, let's talk some Freddie Brathwaite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Freddie Brathwaite. And we, we haven't even, um, and we're, and uh, I'm probably going to have to have to call it a night, but um, we didn't even really talk about Dwayne Rollison, who was uh, also a big part, of course, of the Oilers run yeah. uh, to the playoffs uh, that year. It was a big, uh, I, w- I actually, to be fair, I wasn't a huge fan of Rollison. Um, he, um, well, I don't even see, when did he go to St. Louis? Like uh, he, so he didn't he play was a regular with- season game. Hey. No, he was actually with the Peoria Rivermen, the AHL team. They he actually never even played with the Blues themselves, but he was part of the organization. Well, Interesting, you missed, right? You missed Brett, out, yeah. Oh, you want well, here you go. Here's another little fun caveat. You want to know what year that was? He was kept down that year because of starting goalie Brent Johnson and Freddie Brathwaite. <laughs> go, go that figure. was their nhl duo that year so uh yeah there you go oh man <laughs> i actually i was not a big fan of uh roly the goalie uh but he did take the oilers to the cup that year um yeah <laughs> gotta do a little something for you there <laughs> yeah yeah just one of those guys where you yeah <laughs> yep oh, well, oh man yeah. michael we could I could honestly think we could go another three, four hours, but oh, I am easily. going to call it. Yeah, uh, talking to you is always so much fun. We, uh, I love having you on the show. I don't think I've had you on yet with Curtin Bill, so we'll have to get you on for one of those shows for sure. Um, yeah, and, and uh, again, uh, Oilers Live, I know is where uh, people can listen to you. But uh, if they want to find you on social media, find your website where they can listen to Oilers Live. I'll give you the floor. Go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah. So there are, um, it's really a quite easy to find uh, Oilers live. So on Twitter, it's at Oilers live, uh, Twitch, it's twitch.com slash Oilers live on, uh, Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Oilers podcast. Uh, you can go to Oilers.live to find my website. And, uh, what I've done, uh, recently is, um, I've kind of branched out a little bit, uh, this past season and have, uh, started, uh, two podcasts. I do Oilers live as a live, uh, live stream, which you've 
attended and uh, mm-hmm. we talk uh just Oilers hockey, um, but recently I've I've started the Heavy Hockey podcast uh, this season and and uh, this year. Um, and so if you get a chance, I, it doesn't have its own channel on iTunes. You have to subscribe to Oilers Live to get it. Um, but I have a lot of great guests, uh, and and we do and we don't talk Oilers hockey. We talk just about everything. And and um, I love this game. I love what uh, it provides to us, and and I know you uh, and and your team and and the guys there. They we all do it um, because it's a great hockey game, and it's a great game, and and um, so much fun. Uh, you know, my kudos to you guys too. You do just a absolutely fantastic job, and uh, all of you. Um, but you're right. Um, I could probably spend a couple hours uh, chatting with you. I know I've been twice with you now and, and you've been once on the uh, live show after uh, a blues uh, Oilers game I'll get you on again and yep. um, it's it's always fun yeah always thanks so much yeah oh of course man and thank you and, and again that is Michael a bear of Oilers live uh, we will have you on during the season we will do a live joint show I'm saying it on the air so that way it happens <laughs> uh, yeah so we will make sure that happens, but Michael, thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun, and um, I will finally let you uh, let you get off my podcast. <laughs> awesome, thanks. <laughs> again, a big thanks to Michael for coming on. Always a fun guy to talk to. You'll probably be hearing him again in the future when the uh, Blues and Oilers play each other because uh, we seem to enjoy having each other on our shows. So uh, big thanks again to Michael for coming on and doing this today. Twitter handles for the show. You're at LGB Radio. Our hosts, Kurt Price, is at Kurt Price. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. And then myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. Our next episode, uh, I know I keep saying, like, oh, this is one of the best ones. This is one of the best ones. Uh, I have uh, the Snow the Goalie podcast on. We talk Philadelphia Flyers. And, uh, again, um, you think, well, you know, what's there to talk about there? Besides the the early fights and you know the the Bob Plager going into the stands, um, actually one of the guys that we interview or I interview is uh, Anthony Sanfilippo. He is the former beat writer for the Philadelphia Flyers, so he has a lot of good insight. And then also Russell Joy, his co-host, he comes on and uh, adds a little comedic effect as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. He does like to make fun of us not having a football team. So keep that in mind as well. So that will conclude this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day. 